Blog Talk Radio. Show. This is the Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Rock Painter Jamie Rocks. Man, something just happened there. Anyway, yeah, I'm Jamie Rocks, and uh, I swallowed wrong or something. I don't know what that was. But um, I'm still alive, thank God. Knock on wood. And uh, we're starting the show. We're starting the show. This is the big show, uh, poprocksradio.com. And I am super, super, maybe that's it. I'm a little starstruck. I'm, I'm happy with our guest today. We've got a fantastic filmmaker. Uh, he directed, and I, I'm pretty sure he edited this, too, because I was watching a different interview he did, and um, I did not realize he was also, uh, you know, master editor as well. But anyway, without further ado, I would, we'll talk to him about that and everything. I'd like to welcome our guest today. Uh, fantastic movie I just watched the other night called Space Wars, Quest for the Deep Star, and it was directed by Garo uh, Sedian and Garo. How are yes, you? Yes, sir. How are you, Jamie? Thanks for having me. Wow. So, so Garo, I was watching this other interview and uh, earlier, uh, maybe it was yesterday or something, and it found out you're also an editor. This is that's your day. Your show yeah, well, day, I, baby. You're in it. Yeah, I've been I've been an editor of. Um, I mean, I've all you know. Back when I was a kid, I used to shoot films on Super 8 film and stuff like that. My own movies with spaceships and dinosaurs and clay monsters and things like that. And uh, I would actually cut on an old movieola, the old kind for a Super 8 film, where you just like kind of scroll through and you actually literally physically cut the film and add tape to it. And then uh, in my later years, I started <laughs> later years. This is when I was like still a kid. I would work. Uh, I started working at a public access television station in our town, and I would edit uh, three quarter inch to three quarter inch video. Wow. And I did all these shows and stuff within public access for years. It was kind of like the internet before the internet because we were right. doing um, we were doing our own shows with actors and special effects. It was sort of like I had this show called Valley of the Shadows, which was like a Twilight Zone sort of show. And um, anyway, editing was a a big part of putting these things together. And ultimately, uh, when I moved out to Los Angeles in 1992, um, I went to grad school and then I started working at a, you know, a production company uh, for TV commercials. And I would edit their reels uh, for the directors and eventually I kind of segued over to an ad agency and I'd cut sizzles and, you know, like uh, let's say we had the Mitsubishi account and we wanted to do an exploration of what sort of car commercial we'd want to make. And I would take right. old car commercials and mix up the footage and add new voiceover and it would be like a test run of a commercial idea. And then uh, eventually the thing – I was always obsessed with movie trailers. I, I made tapes of movie trailers myself, like from one tape deck to the next. And I had like 20 tapes of just movie trailers because I was obsessed with that sort of excitement of building and anticipation of a movie. And I also loved the grindhouse sort of like uh, trailers, like the Mad Rons trailers from hell and crazy, you know, 70s stuff. Oh, those were great. So I ended up 
I did a few trailers for a few Friends movies, and then I uh, got some work. Uh, I got a job at a place called Artisan Entertainment. This was right after, like, Blair Witch Project and all that. And okay. Uh, okay. I was there for a year in 2003, and then Lionsgate bought Artisan, and uh, the day they came, you know, the day came, they had to let go pretty much everybody. Our whole floor emptied out, and just me and my mm. producer were the only two people left in the in the building at least that day. And uh, and then awesome. I ended up staying there, and I was there until 2019. So I was a trailer editor for Lionsgate all those years for home entertainment. That's amazing. That is amazing. Yep. I'm sure I've seen many of you, much of your work. You know, I was. Oh, I'm sure you were, did. When you were saying that, you know, the cool thing and um, about commercials, and I've never really thought about this. I'm not in the movie business. I'm my day job. I'm a painter. I paint people and stuff. Um, but the podcast here, I get to hang out with cool people like yourself, you know. And um, <laughs> but I never really thought about it. But a commercial is almost like a pitch. You know, you could roll in and say, "Well, here's you know, 150 commercials I've uh, done." You know, I think mm-hmm. I know what the hell I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, well, with uh, with trailers, it's been I've done over 430 same thing. of them now. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Same thing. That's yeah. Amazing. So that's cool. A lot of you fun. Knew. You knew film uh, um, in in some form um, is what you were going to be doing. Yeah, my you know it, it was always the dream. It just took you know, I mean, it, it just took a long time to finally get my first movie because. You know, when you when you're out here, you know, there's always opportunities, and you try and follow through on certain things. And oh, you know, yeah. I'd be attached to one script, or you know, we sold one script, but then the company would go under, so that film doesn't happen. Or then I'm working mm-hmm. with this other writer who did a very famous movie, and it's like, oh wow, you know, we're gonna get this thing because you know, and this t- big talent agent loves it, and it's gonna go out to all the studios, and then oh, it doesn't happen. Oh shoot, okay. Hey, now here's another project. This one's gonna okay. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna spend four years developing this. It's gonna happen. Oh, that one's not happening either. So yep. it was a lot of trial and error. Um, but with every broken and destroyed project that didn't come to be, a uh, little piece of it came along, and ultimately that's what we made our first movie with, which was Automation. That was the one uh, it came out in 2019 on Blu-ray from Epic Pictures. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah killer Robot one movie. Of my favorites. You know. Oh, one of my thank favorites. you. And then I, I gotta say, I did recognize the name from that when. Um, uh, the fine folks over at October Coast, you know, I, I get the little email press pack thing and uh, they're like, you know, well, Jay, and it's kind of a joke because everybody, I, I think all the PR people I deal with, they're like, you know, Jamie really wishes he was uh, doing an NPR show and, and talking about whatever, you know, some highbrow or something. <laughs> and, um, and I get those occasionally, but, but really I get a lot of, uh, you know, B horror movies and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with them. I, mm-hmm. I like a good movie, you know. Um, yeah. I'm 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 not in the movie business, but I'm definitely a cinephile. I'm the friend that isn't in the movie business that has like the backyard theater and make my friends watch movies with subtitles, and you know, I'm that guy. I will admit it. I think I think you and I would be hanging out a lot if we were in the same area. So. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we would. But my one of my and I don't even say it's a guilty secret because it's not. I'm not guilty about it. But one of my favorites. Of all, in all genres, 
because um, people ask me this. They're like, what do you like? I'm like, I like science fiction. I do. I read it. I watch it. And I love it. And yeah. when I saw uh, the automation, you know, guy, uh, Garo, I'm like, oh, you fine? Let, let's look at it. You know, I got to see this. <laughs> and um, I was very pleased. I was very oh. pleased. I wasn't oh, surprised. thank you. I was just so happy. Um, you know, we were talking before we came on the show, and uh, and, and folks, this movie it's um, it's going to be out everywhere May second on uh, VOD. But before that, uh, in select cities, it, it's going to be on the theater. So you know, yeah, you get to go. And you know, it's going to. I should mention, yeah, it's going to be out actually there in Florida and uh, Miami at the Sci-Fi uh, the inter. What is it? The uh, Miami International Sci-Fi Film Festival. Mm-hmm. They're going to be showing it April thirtieth over there. How cool is that? How yeah. cool is that? And, um, yep. you know, hopefully the weather's good. It doesn't, the city doesn't flood. And, uh, no, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> they, they, all they did, uh, you know, when we had those terrible rains uh, last week, all they said, all, over and over on the news, it was like Paris. They, they're like, well, this is a once in a thousand year. I'm like, don't say that. Don't chase yeah. it. You know, come on, guys. So, yeah, we had a lot of rain a week. Yeah, there's a lot in California lately, too. Well, the good thing about California, I and here's another story. I, I'm not a news junkie so much. Um, my, my wife, who's a little bit younger than me, informed me of the term doom scrolling. I didn't know what that was. Apparently, I was yeah. doing it. And um, But every so often, I'll click on the news, you know, just to keep informed. And uh, I've been seeing the, the big California bloom. They're like, you can see part of it from space. I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Well, there's something that's not that's a doom better. scroller there, you know? Yeah, it's not a mass shooting. It's, uh, you know, nobody's head's in a freezer. It's great. Yep. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this was a great film, Space Wars, The Quest for the Deep Star. Now, in this film, number one, great cast, great story, um, and, and they, they tell the story well. The cast are fantastic. The effects were great in this. I um, I was taken away. I I was transported away, and that's what I, to me that's good art. That yeah, dude, you're great. you're making me feel so good because that's that everything you're saying there was the goal of the movie. We wanted it to be just a pure escapist adventure, you know, um, it's just something totally fun for the audience. Just get away, go to some new planets and stuff, and see some cool stuff, and you know. <laughs> You know, and care about the characters along the way, you know, I mean, and be emotionally involved with it and try to create some thrilling action scenes as well. I mean, you know, we may not be a big budget movie, but we had a lot of heart and, you know, a lot of, you know, good craftsmen worked together on this to try and make it the best possible movie it could be. Well, I think this film should be shown to uh, potential uh, producers and whatnot when, um, over at Disney or, or you know, when they, they put p- pitch in the new Star Wars, whatever project and um, or, or Marvel or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we could spend one hundred and sixty million dollars. But look what these guys did with a fraction of that. And it doesn't yeah. look like it's a fraction of it. You know, yeah. you don't need necessarily all those fancy, you know, well, our set is a 63 LED interactive. That's great. But you don't need if if you have to rely on that, 
there's a problem, you know? Well, I, I, I hear you. And I mean, you know, and it's also, you know, have you noticed like sometimes you'll see a movie with effects in it, right? And it's so overloaded with effects. Cause I'm not against effects movies. I'm not against using effects. I love effects, you know, but I like effects mm. that make you feel something or have some kind of like those old Ray, Ray Harryhausen movies, you know, the seventh voyage yeah. of Sinbad or something. Yeah. When there was an effect scene, it was an event. It was a moment in the movie. And like, you know, oh, wow, here comes this giant cyclops walking out. Hey, there's a dragon. All right. You know, it, it, there's a moment of awe. You know what I mean? Where, I mean, like I can give you an example. Like uh, a, a couple of years ago, there was a Jungle Cruise movie that came out. And mm-hmm. it's, that movie is just slathered in CGI, okay, which is fine. Yeah. But but what did you visually get out of it? I mean, a bunch of vines moving around. I mean, some water. Right. <laughs> I mean, and some, right. and some zombie guys. You know what I mean? And it's like hundreds of millions of dollars of effects for stuff that really didn't capture your imagination or give you a sense of wonder or awe. I mean, it just was sort of okay. That's kind of pretty, but it's it's vines. <laughs> you know. I mean, Absolutely. one you know one extended sequence of that movie would be like all of our effects, you know what I mean? But none of them, it has no impact, you know what I mean? Right. Every no, time we had an effect right. scene, yeah, it, it was a purposeful moment that was meant to be exciting and big, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you, you know, you go back to the Sinbad, you know, where, where the prince is turning into the baboon or whatever, and, and yeah. you, know, you feel bad for the guy. You're like, ah, oh, this guy yeah. didn't ask for anything. This is this yep. just happening to him, you know? Yeah. Um, or that, that scene where the, the evil witch, I forget her name. Um, it may have been so long. Since, you know, another one was like that. Oh, I was going to say where she drinks the not enough of the potion and she still got Yeah, not enough. Part, and her foot, know? yeah, she turned into a seagull yeah. and then her foot stayed a seagull. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but you don't always need it, you know? Um, and, and some of them, of course, Harry Hauser, you know, you, you think of. Uh, Oh, Perseus. I, I can't. Clash of the Titans. Yep. Clash of the Titans. For me. Yep. Love that movie. And maybe people just say, you know, oh, Jamie, you're an old man. I think the original was way better yeah. than the remake. Didn't yeah, yeah. All that. You know, but well, the original was more, yeah, the storytelling was more straightforward. I didn't hate the remake, but I mean, it just, it, it got a little muddled in its storytelling, and that's the problem, yeah. or its themes, you know what I mean? Um, well, and, you know, they yeah, there's something to be said when you're doing like, you know, these kind of movies with set pieces and stuff. You want those moments to stick out and feel exciting and special. And if the whole movie is just layered and, you know, stuff without it's just a bunch of noise and visuals without much meaning to it. You know, it's like, for example, like, you know, our movie has some big monsters in it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and there was great. a lot of conversation. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, we had two we had really wonderful effects team. These guys, um, Stephen Clark and Paul Mott, they did amazing work. Um, and there were discussions early on uh, with Steve about how, you know, I love Harryhausen movies. I liked movies like The Angry Red Planet, and I wanted the creatures mm-hmm. to have bulk and feel big when they come out. And, it should, you know, they shouldn't just, like, slither around really fast in blurry CG, I mean, they need to kind of feel big and powerful when they come walking out. And that's what, what he gave us. And, you know, just that sort of direction and understanding and the shorthand of understanding what kind of references I had really made a big difference 
in what we were able to get and versus, you know, what you might see in some other movies here and there, especially ones similarly Absolutely. budgeted. Absolutely. Yeah. I have friends that are, you know, they're, they're, I think it's almost a trope now, to be honest with you. People are always like, oh, it's got to be practical, everything. And I'm like, I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. And I'll give you two examples of that. Whenever I have this yep. conversation people in science fiction, people are always like, you know, oh, I said, Terminator was great. When he's in the room yep. and he's, he's fixing his arm and he's when I was a kid, that freaked me the hell out, man. I was like, yeah. oh my God, he's sticking that in his eye? Freaked me out. I watched, yep. I go back now and watch it and I'm like, well, that's obviously, a hit. you know, I could make that on my desk, yeah. you know, that's um, <laughs> not so freaky, you know, um, yep. but at the time it really was. Um, but another science fiction show that I loved, a series, uh, where they had terrible CGI. Well, it's good for the time. Good for the time of all computers. Uh, was Babylon Five? I love Babylon though, Five. Yeah. Because the story was strong. You know. Yeah. Even with no, in fact, that, mysticism that, that, in it. You know. Yeah. It no, what was wonderful about that show, uh, in versus so many other shows today, because every show, you know, like I'm more a fan of the old Star Trek. I, I like episodic sort of television where, you know, each episode is its own new, unique story. Something has right. happened with storytelling, especially in television oh. lately, where everything is some epic saga. But it's, right. it feels, again, you know, look, I, at some point I will try and sit down and watch all this stuff. I hear things like The Expanse are great That's and everything. but. Yeah, it's just, it, it just seems like it's so much effort to watch these things. And, and a lot of them, like to me, again, this is just my own opinion, I, I sometimes feel like watching these shows is like watching a movie in slow motion because they, they kind of deliberately pull, pull the brakes on the plot and move it as slow as possible so they can stretch it out over 8 or 12 or 15 episodes, whatever it is, where in exactly. conventional storytelling mode – you, you would have gotten through this in two hours. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you, you know? a, a trick that uh, filmmakers, you, there's, there might even be a name for it. I don't know it. But um, I have definitely uh, observed it. Uh, you know, because we're like anybody. You, you know, we, we, we subscribe to the actual non-commercial Hulu or whatever. You know what I mean? So we're, it's not, mm -hmm. it, it still is chopped up just in, intrinsic of the way it's filmed. But I can't stand the two-minute recap after a, a commercial. <laughs> uh, and you really notice that you're like, oh, they're trying to uh, fill up some space, obviously, you know. Um, <laughs> and now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Metal Babe Mayhem is 
more than just an online store, it's a destination. MiddleMaidMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. MiddleMaidMayhem Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, MiddleMaidMayhem Mayhem founder Allison Metalbabe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metalbabe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rockscare, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products, all featuring original pop art paintings, from La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Yeah, the Battlestar Galactica remake show. Remember they used to do that on there? Yeah. And, and the two-minute uh-huh. recap would be different because you'd be highlighting different things in each episode or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the other one? The um, oh, One of the... I can't remember which Stargate it was. Was real bad about that too. Um, you know, they had all those different versions. You know, spinoffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting when great... you, when you talked about. Yeah, I just had to say, like when you were talking about Babylon Five, the really unique thing about that show versus so many other modern shows that did that long format storytelling thing. 
You know, mm-hmm. J. Michael Straczynski, he actually had a vision for where that whole thing was going, and it pays right. off. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There were a lot of you TV shows that have done that kind of structure, but the ending is where it's like it's like you're watching it and it just doesn't go anywhere. Or you yeah. know, I remember like the Battlestar Galactica remake. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah, Lost is one, and the Battlestar Galactica yeah. remake. I remember like we were hooked on that show, and you. Yeah, and you have the title oh. sequence. You know, this, the Cylons are doing this, and they have a plan, you know? <laughs> and, right. And then eventually, you never heard what that plan specifically was, and then by, like, the second or third season, they just dropped that from the title sequence. It wasn't part of the show anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or, or the, yeah, or Baltar kept seeing the girl in the red dress, and, you know, and it's like, you know, and there were episodes where he's like, why? Why am I the only one who can see you? And she'd give him a sly smile and walk away. So it's like, oh, this big mystery. I can't wait to find out the answer. And you never really do. They just drop it and no. move on. They just stop doing it. It's like, what is this? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you, you feel as the audience, you feel like a, a, a mouse, and there's no piece of cheese at the end of the maze. You know, it's just like, yeah, yeah the maze is done. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I've done my half of this relationship. I put my time into this, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Like a bad date or something, you know. It's just yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just it's a very modern like thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. We 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 wanted it to be a one. You know, just a full adventure. You just go and you know, it's like Battle Beyond the Stars or Space Hunter Adventures Absolutely. in the Forbidden Zone. It's that yeah, kind I'm of movie. Yeah, I was going to say you know? that. I got that vibe from this. I gave a shit about the characters. I, I did, you yep. know. I was like, just like, is that the Forbidden Zone? Is that the Molly Ringwald one where they're in that yes. thing? Yeah. And the maggot people. Yeah, I love that film. That was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, it, yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it helps that we had a, you know, great script by Joe Netter who really understood character. We made sure. not and Then we cast the film well. All the actors are good. And, and then we costume them all in very distinctive ways. So, it, you know, because you sometimes see independent films and all the characters just sort of blend together or you, you, no one's really right. being distinct. We really made sure everyone was distinct, you know. No, you're never going to have trouble knowing who's who in this movie, you know what I mean? No, um, no. And you like them, you know, or hate yeah. them, you know. Yep. You have an emotional attachment one way or the other to all everybody in this film, you know. Yep. And it was, uh, you know, that's good filmmaking. That is good <laughs> filmmaking to me. Um, Thank you. And, yeah, and, and, didn't, I, and didn't and and Michael Perret wasn't he wonderful? Him and Sarah French as a father and daughter there. I mean, they they really created that yeah, bond. Yeah. I thought it was. Oh man, I'm telling you. And like I said, you you, you cared about him. You know, you're like, yep. yeah, I get it. This is probably <laughs> what would be happening. You know. Yep. Um, and and. And not, not in a depressing way, you know. Uh, right. This modern sci-fi where it's uh, the expanse to me. I, I liked it. I, I'll be honest with you. I did like it, but I found it depressing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, yeah. that's where we're headed? Ugh. Yeah, like where's the light on its feet space operas? You know what I mean? Like you would, you'd be led to believe that there were hundreds of Star Wars ripoffs in the, you know, after Star Wars. and. And and when I call them rip, they they call them ripoffs. I think that's kind of unfair. Granted, they wouldn't have been made if Star Wars wasn't made. But you know, those are genre staples. I mean, this is Flash Gordon, oh, yeah. Buck Rogers, all that stuff. But the thing is, there really isn't that many of those kind of movies. They're real, and, and especially I, lately, you know. 
Let me ask you, Garo, because you're this mm-hmm. is your business. You're you're in this, and you're a fan also, and and you know about this kind of. You're much more knowledgeable yeah. than I am. What's the problem? Is it budget? Is it they're just too expensive to make a space movie? Um, I guess I you mean know, you know like look uh, there were. Well, I'm I'm assuming these sci-fi movies in general, like the way they look at them, you know, yeah, they're expecting everything to be as big and epically produced as an Avatar movie. I mean, there have been Mm -hmm. a couple, I thought, nice original sci-fi movies over the years that didn't catch on, like Valerian or or Mortal Engines, you know, and those were kind of notorious flops, but I thought they were, you know, they were very entertaining movies. And they were fresh, but, you know, for whatever reason, you know, there is this thing I sometimes wonder about with sci-fi and fantasy and general audiences. There's like a line in the sand, and if you, if you step over it into a place that's just a little too weird or a little too off, then you're going to lose them. You know what I mean? You might still hold on right. to the sci-fi fan, you know what I mean? But it just might get too weird, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I got you. So, I got you. So that might be it. I mean, I know obviously with any major studio, you know, they'd rather make another Star Wars or Star Trek or thing that already exists well, than invest in something new. Right. Yeah. But but like, look, what, what we made this movie for, you know, you just wonder like, gosh, if I had $5 million, you know what I mean? I could make something <laughs> so epic, you know what I mean? And so huge, it would compete right next to any major – yeah, it, it could be yeah. as good and big as any major Hollywood film. You know, it's just how you pre-plan it and, you know, how you're going to do it. I mean, those old Sinbad movies, those Harryhausen movies, weren't super expensive movies. I mean, but they were, you know, fun adventures that have lasted, you know, years after they came out. And that was oh, kind of the thinking. We wanted, yeah, we wanted this to be like a sci-fi Sinbad movie. It, it just, that kind of quest adventure you know um, yeah, and cool. awesome. i'm just cool yeah it's let me let me ask you this carl on the on the business mm-hmm. side is it hard to find producer is it hard to find the money for a film like this or you know it's it's pretty much like any project you just I gotta think have any movie money. is going to have its challenges in trying to get the money um i mm-hmm. uh you know my first movie you know, I was able to make because, you know, I had, I had done all right as an editor for, you know, many years and I was able right. to invest a certain portion in that movie. And then I found, you know, when you have money like that you can put into a movie or you could set aside, say, look, we got this much money in the account for this movie. The movie's going to cost this much. Do you want to be a part of it or something? That's a lot easier, you know, for some producer <laughs> You know, yeah. or investor to put the money up if they see you're putting money up. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how we did it with automation, and that ended up kind of happening with this one too. I mean, uh, you know, w- although in this situation we had much more financing from um, the distributor. You know, they they definitely put you. a a bigger a big a bigger chunk than last time, you know, with uh, my other situation. Cuz the other situation was well, a completely independent film and then it was distributed it it got picked up for distribution. This one um it was a producer went into uh, it. what Yeah, he they they went, went into it. it. They wanted to do it and nice. I think they were pleasantly nice. surprised by my own financial commitment to it. So. <laughs> 
and that's you know that's a question that's something that comes up. Yeah, and this happens, ladies and gentlemen, when, when you get to a certain point in your life, because um, everybody's got everybody you know has a dream and a plan. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Um, and they'll come to you and they'll say, "Hey, you know, uh, uh, I was thinking you should do this. You know, put this much money into this or that or whatever." And one of my first questions: How much money have you put into it? You know, and, and that yeah. kind of guides my thought process on right. You know, you walk out on that quicksand first and let me see, you know, and before I just jump out on it, you know? Um, yeah. But it's, I remember when Joe that. was writing this. Yeah. One, one of the things like, cause you know, one of the nicest things said to me, uh, Joe Netter said, cause you know, when I asked Sarah, first I went to Sarah about this cause you know, I worked with her on automation and she had been doing all these like really tough workouts and stuff. And she, she just, really had the right physicality for an action sort of role. And my wife and I really right. liked her. And, and we also thought, um, you know, maybe we could get Joe to write it. So we talked to Sarah and, and Sarah said, Joe would be interested in working with me. And Joe jumped right in. And, you know, later on, I still remember we were on the set one day and I said to Joe, you know, wow, you Joe, him can you set? believe it? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Cause wow. Joe, Joe is a brilliant scheduler, and uh, he, okay. he's a producer on the movie as well. So he was an asset. I mean, uh, he, he was just great to have there. And, you know, every now and then him and I would have a little quick confab over something, you know. Um, he, but oh, fabulous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because he really knows how to schedule and produce, and uh, we really – it, it worked out great. Yeah, it, it was, a, it was awesome. an amazing relationship. and. Anyway, I said to him, you know, when you know, when I first went to you like a year and a half ago or, or it was like a year ago and talked about doing this crazy space movie, did you ever imagine you'd be here on the set now? And he just turned and he said, uh, actually, I did. You know, he's like, because I knew if you said you were going to do it, I saw your other movie and knew it was good. So if you said it was going to happen, it was going to happen. So my biggest fear is the CG, you know, but you, you're telling me right. to trust you, so I'll trust you on it. And uh, and then when he finally saw the effects and stuff that we were delivering, he was just like, wow. You know, <laughs> he was just so happy Oh, with yeah. It. yeah. Well, you know, and it, I can't even imagine. I've never made a movie. I've never even thought about it. Number one, I, you know, something I learned doing the podcast. And like I said, I'm into movies and stuff, but I never really thought about it before talking to filmmakers like yourself, is that movie time is totally different than um, – civilian time that I'm used to, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. people come up, you come up with an idea, you filmmakers, and then it could be, it could be a couple of years before you see the, the payoff, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, it took a long time. I, I mean, I mean, I guess relatively, look, I might, I wrote a screenplay before automation. Um, uh-huh. I still haven't made that movie, but hopefully it'll, that one will be soon. But that one uh, took me four years to write because I was working a full-time job and I would write it like I'd take my lunch break and I'd write like maybe just get a paragraph in, you know, or just a couple lines. And that's the way I was working. Um, But when I worked on automation, that was sort of like I wrote part of the screenplay and then I brought in some uh, uh, Matt Schaefer and Rolf Konevsky. Rolf Konevsky is another amazing writer and Matt's great too, but, but man, Rolf wrote so fast, you know, and it was like next wow. level. Wow. He's just turning these pages around like nothing. And um, anyway, that, you know, that film came out good. And then, 
you know, then the situation with Joe and Joe came in and he's an incredibly fast writer as well. But the thing that took a long time was just sort of developing the story. I think, mm. I think that was almost a, I don't know, was it like a six month or a year long project? I think we started, I mean, we knew we were going to do something in 2020. That's when we sort of planned, okay, we're going to shoot okay. something. And then, you know, and then there was a development process, getting the treatment right. And then, getting that, you know, uh, approved by uh, Jeff Miller, our producer, like trying to find the right story that would work for everybody. And we knew we were writing something for Perret, um and, and Sarah and Anahit, my wife's in it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it was a bit of a development process. But once we and knew this was all what during the story the was. Yeah, this was all during the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. And, in fact, in fact, we shot it. Remember that brief window when it seemed like the pandemic was over before right. Omicron kicked in? That's when we shot right. it. So it was like right in between. Wow. Like it seemed like it was over, but it wasn't. So, and the thing, yeah, folks, had the, the thing is, you have to remember it during this period, it wasn't real clear if theaters were, you know, how long this was going to last. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, just wait and see, wait and see. And you're, you're like, that's kind of hard to do when there's a lot of, you know, people written checks and stuff, you know, when there's money. Oh, yeah, and, and the, the whole film and... was done with, yeah, and we had all the COVID protocols, you know, like temperature oh. checks and masks and all that. But, you know, it's something, like, after we were done filming, because no one got sick while we were filming. We we did great. Oh, nice. Um, but our, uh, our costume designer moved on to another film right after ours. And she ended up getting COVID. It was probably on an airplane or something because they were filming in another uh, another part of the world, so to speak. And um, but uh, it, it's just, yeah, it, it, we were very lucky because, like, you know, you think about it. If something happened to one of the actors or something while you were filming, you know, oh, it's not like we're a major studio where we could just shut down and like restart at another that time. You know what I mean? So right. we we were very we were very fortunate, you know. Well, that's awesome. Sarah didn't show up to work with a haircut. Everybody was good. Um, and it got done. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She, she, she knew exactly, you know, it's funny. She knew exactly what she wanted for her hair. Like, she was like, I know how I'm going to do my hair on this. This was, like, way early on. And she, she had these, like, the, the hair, like, kind of pulled back on one side with these braids. And it was a really nice. cool look. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. You know? I'm telling you. And she's great. To the actions, everybody in it. Everybody. It's. You had to have, with the amount of fights, and, and the, the fights were so well done in this, you had to have, like, a bunch of, like, I don't know, what do they call them, fight coordinators or something? Chore- choreographers. Yeah, what well, we had, uh, so, like, we had, yeah, we had a choreographer. Well, first of all, like, the main fights are with uh, Tyler Gallant and Sarah, and mm-hmm. uh, Tyler and Sarah have worked together previously, and they also worked out together. So, when no, we knew, okay. we knew so early knew. on. Yeah, we knew they knew each other already, and they were willing to just take free time and just go train. And we even mm-hmm. had a day like way early in the process, like right, you know, when we knew we were doing this movie, we had uh, Tyler and Sarah over, and we just hung out, had some Thai food, and just all we did was sit on my couch and go through my movie collection. I just had a pile of Blu-rays of fight scenes, and we just watched mm-hmm. fight scenes and. Tyler would take notes. We could do that. We could do this because he'd done that kind of stuff before. And then what we did, that was like sort of the beginning stages of it. And then um, for the actual, uh, when we actually did get to the set, well, 
we hired I hired um, a fight trainer. His name's Alan Woodman, and he mm. uh, had this Las Vegas Stunt Academy at the time. So I brought Sarah and Tyler to Vegas for a day, and uh, they did training with him. And then, um, nice. you know, he choreographed uh, the fights. And I still remember him asking me, like, what do you want, like this and that. He said, I want old Star Trek-style fights, lots of punches right. to the face and the stomach, that sort of thing. None, none of the fancy, like, jumping around stuff, really. I'm, I'm more yeah, interested in the hardcore. It's not martial arts. It's more, uh, more Indiana Jones underneath the airplane, more Kirk fighting the Gorn, you know, that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know? I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, and and then and then one of the instructions, yeah, I gave him too was also, uh, and this was a really specific thing because it came up later on was, um, you know, and he said, and what else do you know? And I said, well, when you think it's enough, I want more. (laughs) So just keep going a few extra. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. Hey, rockers. This is Stacey Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Susan from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, Fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and, of course, the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. 
So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAlbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. Yeah, because nice. I, nice. I remember there was even some talk when I had the first cut, like maybe we should cut some of the some some of the people, you know, were like maybe you got to cut some of the fight. And no, no, we're not, we're not cutting a single punch. I want them all. We did not well, want the fight to be disappointing. Loves. You know, yep. that's what your crowd loves, and and yeah, that's the market for this. And I want to say, you know, one of the things I think it used to be science fiction, like when I was younger, it, it, me and all my, my guy buddies, you know, my sisters would never watch science fiction. They weren't into it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think, and it's not just in my house. I, I kind of see this all over, you know, with movies like Prey and stuff like that. Um, these women have no problem. You know, I don't know if they've all always been sitting around thinking, yeah, I could kick this guy's ass real easy. Um, yeah. But they get into it, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Get into it. yeah. And well, you know, it, there's yeah. I'm sorry. Go strong females in this film, and I think that's yes, true to life. You know, yep. There's a truth to yeah. that. Yeah. And it's and it's it, and it's not preachy about it or anything. I mean, these no. are just the characters. No. You know, it, there's a difference between the way Aliens was done or or you know the films that I still think are wonderful examples of female action heroes, and they never get credit for it. You never see them mentioned in like, you know, they'll write articles about, you know, Brie Larson and, uh, you know, Captain Marvel right. and, you know, men are intimidated and they just can't stand women action heroes. And it's like, that's not the problem. That's not why men don't like this movie. I mean, <laughs> you know, Underworld, uh, yeah. Resident Evil, you know, Absolutely. those are awesome female action heroes. I mean, there was some article recently where, you know, uh, what was her name, you know, from the Hunger Games. I mean, can't believe I'm blanking, but she thought she was like the first female action hero ever. And it's like, she's awesome right. in the Hunger Games. But but there yeah. were so many people before you, you know what I mean? And, and the thing that made Underworld and Resident Evil so special to me is that it, it, it wasn't a big deal that the lead character was female. It, yeah, it, it, she's, it was, they're just heroic. They're heroic characters. You don't need to have a dopey man next to them try and degrade them for being a woman and then have the woman cut them down. What, what, what's the point of that? That's stupid. You know what I mean? You're stopping the absolutely. movie to try and make some kind of message. Why don't you just let the character be a hero? You know what I mean? And, and that's absolutely. the thinking, you know? I mean, Kate well, Beckinsale rocked in the Underworld movies, and she got no credit oh, for man. it, really. You know, or she, again, she, she Mila Jovovich awesome. led. Yeah, Mila Jovovich has been the action star in a whole bunch of movies, and she's awesome. Oh. You know, but and no then, one really you, gives her the sometimes credit. Sometimes they're not the greatest movie, but you know, the one uh, the Aeon Flux. I will watch that time and time again. Yeah, just because it's entertaining. <laughs> you know, sure. I'm not. But you want to know Citizen Kane from that movie. I'll tell you, and you could go back. You action. could go even back further. Okay, let's go back to Carolyn Monroe in Star Crash as Stella Star. You oh know? yeah. She, you know, I mean, she is the lead action star of that movie. You know, and that's mm -hmm. 1979. You know, 
You know, it's like sometimes you think the world is so backwards, the way people talk about things. It's like they have no um, sort of no understanding of the past, you know, or of what right. the last bunch of years were. Everyone seems to think, saying everyone, uh, people who make a lot of noise <laughs> seem mm. to think that they're the first people to come up with something, but they have no sense of what the history yeah, the case. is. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, why don't you understand a little bit of history before, you know, uh, attacking something or, you know, that's all. I mean, look, or these films are just made to if be If you're fun. honestly <laughs> not aware of this, take a weekend and watch some movies. How about that? Yeah. You know, how about yeah. that? Um, yep. Because a lot of these people have it. And I'll tell you that it, it amazes me. I, I'll usually watch um, a YouTube video or something on, when I have my lunch. Um, I take an hour every day for lunch. And um, I got hooked during the pandemic on these kids that would do these reaction videos on YouTube. They've never seen a movie and they react to it or whatever. And oh, it amazes neat. me. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it is, it's kind of cool, especially someone like me or you who's seen everything, yeah. you know, twice. Right. And, um, you know. Uh, so they're like revealing stuff. twists, the you know, Luke, I'm your father, yeah, yeah, or they're yeah, watching yeah. Lord of the Rings. And, right. Yeah. What I mean, yeah. you know. They're watching the last uh, act of The Sixth Sense and and freaking out about it, and you know, yeah. like yeah, I freaked out too the first time I saw that, you know. But it's, yep. it's how have you never? How do you not know that? You know, they'll watch Empire and freak out about the the, the Vader twist. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right, oh, right. I know that. You know. <laughs> It's, uh, you know, you know what's interesting about that series, because uh, I, you know, I did something that um, I know a lot of people who are fans of the original Star Wars trilogy would probably be upset with me for. Um, yeah. But I actually showed my son, who's 19 now, but you know, when he was a kid, I showed him the Star Wars movies in the order um, that they were uh, the chapters. I did them in the way George Lucas no. wanted. And and okay. here's what's interesting about it, you know, because no one really thinks about this, because yes. Okay, as a um, guy who watched the first three movies originally when they came out in theaters, you know, starting at seven years old, the, you know, yes, the twist of is Vader my father and all that, that was a big deal. So you're losing that if you're starting with episode one, right? Because you're following Anakin Skywalker right at the beginning. Right, and it's not. Yeah, and can't. You can't – Vader is not – it doesn't seem as badass after uh, Hayden Christensen takes out all the kids in the Jedi Temple, you know? Um, <laughs> you can't get well, any thing. from that. Yeah, but, but here's what's interesting. This is – you know, there was a different reaction, you know? So now, mm. you know, he's, he's going to know who, who Vader is. It's not going to be a surprise to him when that uh, happens in Empire Strikes Back. However – as the person I'm sitting there watching these movies with him, he was devastated that Anakin turned into a bad guy. That's a shocker. So, so that's something, you know, people like us who saw the original three movies, we knew where it was going. He had no idea. This one was a kid in the beginning of the first movie. And now he's the bad guy. You know what I mean? Right. So, well, and I get so hooked on how we get hooked on how we remember it. Yeah, I'm sorry. And, and that's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Because I think little kids, that, you know, everybody bitches about the prequels. I think the prequels are great, personally. Um, uh, you know, I like I them. them. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I thought they were fantastic. But I think a little 
kid watching, or even a young kid watching um, Anakin when he's, you know, mm-hmm. with his mom and he's a slave and all. You put yourself in that role. You you see that yeah. and you're like, yeah, here's a kid. He's, he's winning the pod race. I could yeah. win, the, obviously. I could win the pod race. You know, I mean, um, and, and, yeah, and that kid you know, ends people, up getting his arms and legs cut off and becoming the worst bad guy well, ever. I've heard him look with a cat eye, and you're like, yeah. oh, man. Oh, it's devastating. Yeah, it was devastating for him to watch it. So, you know, yeah. yes, you lose a certain, you know, magic that you treasured as a child, you know, growing up, and you're not sharing so the experience the same way. But it becomes something new, you know what I mean? And right. it's 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 effective. It works, you know. Absolutely, so. absolutely. It's you know, <laughs> and it's you're right because we do have that nostalgia. Um, I, I'll tell you a good example of that. Um, not that I'm a big in our house. I'm more of a Star Trek person. My wife is a Star Wars fan. You know, she's into it, baby. So we're watching all that stuff, you know. And, and I'm telling you. Tears were. Sh- I have not st- when uh, in in Mandalorian season two when Luke showed up. I felt like I was, I don't know, ten years old again. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. I had that feel. I'm like, whoa! I didn't know this part of my brain still could, you know, I could have this type of reaction to something like that. Yeah. There's that nothing. Really there's cool. nothing wrong with a little fan service. I don't know when this word fan service became such a dirty word, you know, and uh, no. I, I call it fan respect, you know what I mean? And also understanding your source material and actually loving the source material. If you, all you're trying to do is subvert things and turn them into things that they never were meant to be, you know, or that are just going against the intent of the original work to try and be different. I don't know if that's done with love. I mean, you got to do this stuff with love. I mean, you've got to care about it. I mean, right. you look at right. the way you, the you characters of that original. Yeah, like you look at the handling of all those legacy characters of Star Wars in that sequel trilogy. You know, hey, if there's someone who loves those, great. I'm glad you like them, and I hope you like my movie too. But, I mean, I don't know. I I just did not like the way those characters were treated. I mean, it it just was devastating and and, and, and in a bad way. It just felt like people who didn't like Star Wars were making Star Wars now. And they didn't do anything visually new, you know. Yeah, it it was formulaic, and it's it's like, you know, um, we've seen this. We've we've experienced this before. And I think that was the big issue with it. You know, yeah. and I think it it was such an issue that it was hard to get past it to find the story, you know, and yeah. and care about the story. Um, you know, it was uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. One of the well, things again, about, again, we talked about the prequels. You know, George Lucas had a story to tell. Right. You know, he had yeah. a story he wanted to tell. It was there. Oh yeah. You know. Um, you know, and it ended I, up on I, a bummer, you know. <laughs> yeah. Third one at the end, you're like, well, yeah, of course it ends on. I, I, Rogue One wasn't much better. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Rogue One was pretty good actually. I did like that. Yeah. That, that kind of worked. You know, um, but it, but it's I'm funny. It, yeah, and and it's funny. You know, when you have a story to tell that you're in, and also the, those Star Wars movies, the first six of them all had amazing set pieces. Each film visually reinvented yeah. itself. They gave you something new. There was always a sense of spectacle and adventure. 
you know, I could point to singular moments in each film, prequels and, you know, the original trilogy, where, you know, that's a great scene. That's a great scene. That's an amazing scene. I can't really mm-hmm. do that with the with the sequel trilogy. I mean, you know, but again, no, not everyone is George Lucas. I mean, he he had the vision for those things. I mean, that arena scene in Attack of the Clones, I could watch that forever. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's my kind of science fiction right there, you know. Uh, I like the old I Star Trek. Mantis. I like yeah. that big mantis thing. Yeah, that thing was like one of my favorite things ever. It was like, you know, watching, you know, again, it was like a Harryhausen movie. It was like Mysterious Island or something with the giant crab or whatever. I mean, that stuff is bad. You know, the thing about those those prequels that can you imagine being on the team? And I'm sure you can imagine this. um, And they're like, yeah, we're going to film Coruscant, you know? And you're like, how the (laughs) hell are we going to do that? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) Talk about map painting. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all computer, but, uh, you know, geez, Louise. Yeah, there was so much visual invention at work in those movies. And I think people are going to appreciate them more and more as time goes on because as people keep trying to do things like what he did with using his brand, and it's not as good. It just simply, you know, at least I don't think so, but I mean, you know, you know. Just my opinion. <laughs> One of the things about your film, Space Wars, The Quest for Deep Star. Hey, and folks, I should mention before I uh, before we run yeah. out of time, we've got links up. And these links, when this is converted to a podcast, this, these links follow. So you can follow uh, Garl on, on Instagram and Facebook and all that. And we've got the IMDb pages up and all that, uh, links to it. If you're listening in the future to the podcast on Spotify, those links are active. So just click on the link there and you can go right there, you know, and like and share. Um, but one of the things I really liked about Space Wars was, you know, you're like, eh, it's a space movie. We better throw in a giant monster. Well, we better put some <laughs> aliens in. We better put some robots in there, too. You know, you did it all. And yeah, most people don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Your choice. Um, yeah. We were talking on the phone before this, how, how disappointing it is when, like, the aliens are here and they look just like us, or they're people yeah. in disguise. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, you're the cyborg takeover. I mean, you know, I, I, look, when we did Automation, can you imagine that same movie with just, but the robot looking like just a normal guy? I mean, no. you know, yeah, you know? I mean, the whole worked. point of it was... It, yeah, the whole point and the humor of it is the fact that it is this big, hulking, clunky robot, you know? I mean, that's what makes it fun, you know? And, no, look, I, you know, when I did this movie, I the kind of adventure – again, when we go back to, like, old Star Trek, it was explore mm-hmm. strange new worlds. Remember that part? Seek out new life, mm-hmm. you know? So I wanted to create worlds. I wanted you to see something cool, you know, not just see stuff that you've seen a million times before – see something new, you know, and, and let's go there. And, and that's the stuff that's exciting to me. And I was determined this movie was going to have monsters. I, I would always, as a kid, I'd watch these like Harryhausen movies or whatever it is, Angry Red Planet or something. And I'd count the monsters, you know what I mean? I'd, I want there right? to be a lot of monsters in the movie. <laughs> I mean, so I think we got like eight, eight things, eight or nine things in there that, <laughs> that show up. Uh, I guess 10 if you count oh, the aliens too. So yeah. You know, but we got, got big monsters. Girls fighting them, you know. Yes. How cool is that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not what a, a wonderful cast, too, huh? You know, Sarah French, Tyler Gallant, 
Rachel, Rachel Brooke Smith, Sadie Katz, Olivier Groot. Yeah. 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 All, yeah. all of everybody. Everybody was yep. so good on this. And the ships yeah. were great. The ships were fantastic. Yep. I, um, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not trashing anybody, you know. I mean, I know mm-hmm. space is hard to do. You know, I've seen yep. 2001. I get that the planet's moving at a different speed than the ship yep. and the station, and I get it. Um, but, man, it's boring. It's boring. That's the longest <laughs> alien abduction I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know? Yep, yep. I guess, I guess and, to be fair, you know, you, it may be, you know, we call this sci-fi. You know, we call Star Wars sci-fi. But, I mean, th- this is more fantasy you know that this this fits right. in space opera you know that's that's what we exactly. made you know we made flash gordon you know flash gordon's a very good comparison to what kind of movie this is you know if people are trying to figure out the tone of what we're doing i mean if 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 you're wondering if it's okay to laugh yes it's okay to laugh and have fun with this because that's what it is you know it, it's a Absolutely. serious situation for the characters in the movie but yeah, there's there's fun stuff in there, you know, and, and you know you might recognize certain kind of uh, plot moments or whatever that you know are amusing, you know, uh, you know oh, we, we do all your classic film, villain stuff, you know. This film is going to be one of those films, and and I, I there's you know I probably have ten or twelve films that if I there's nothing on, I'm like oh, I've seen everything, you know. I, I'm not watching Love Island with my wife on that. I'm not doing it. Can't do it. Um, <laughs> And I'm on the other TV and I'm flipping through and I'll see something, you know, that I've mm-hmm. seen. I've seen Roadhouse so many times I can't stand it, but I'll still watch it because I like that whole affair yeah. that falls on that guy, you know? Yeah. Um, I love the comeuppance in that film. Um, yep. This is going to be one of those films that I flipping through and I see that big monster thing, you know, walking and it's red and it's, it's uh, great. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to stop and see how I've seen it. 25 times, but I'm going to watch this again because it's awesome. That's this film. Thank you. That's you know, And that's and the kind of experience I, I'm hoping people have with it. I mean, it, it's, you know, people like watch The Beastmaster a million times, you know. I've watched absolutely. Battle Beyond the Stars, you know, as many times as I have any of the Star Wars movies. I mean, or Flash Gordon. I love those movies. I love Kroll. Kroll's a great movie. Yeah, you know? Kroll is great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I like... Cyclops guy? Oh, yeah, you know? And like, yeah, we you know, mentioned Space Hunter and Star Crash, all of these. We've been name-dropping these same movies, but, I mean, it's, it's in that spirit. And, uh, and, again, everyone understood it. You know, Michael Sue, the cinematographer, he's so awesome. He, you know, and, again, he loves all these movies, too. When we were shooting the film, because we were mentioning things like Galaxy of Terror and Forbidden Planet. Right. Yeah. And, I, um, and I remember um, – uh, you know, Michael was like, when we were on the day, the first day, and he was like just sizing up our sets and stuff. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give you Battle Beyond the Stars, but better. <laughs> that, right. was, that was the plan. Nice. <laughs> it was so good. I wanted to be, you know, in that film, I can't remember the actor's name. He's since passed, and he's just a, you know, the, the Western guy. Um, he was in um, with uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, you know, he's just played such a good bad, bad guy. I can't remember his name, but he was in Battle Beyond. John, he had the black spaceship. John Jackson? Yes, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great. When I was a kid, I'm like, that's the spaceship. I, 
Well, well, did you did you catch that the name the the name of the bad guy's ship is the Seder, which is the same yep. as his yeah. as uh, that character's name, and that'll be on the stars. <laughs> Absolutely. See, Joe so filled the movie with a lot of those references. Yeah. Oh man, and it's so great. It's so great. You know, that'll be on the stars. Rock. I remember when it, seeing the ads for it um, before it came out on on you know on the big giant TV we had sitting in the basement. Um, you know, there was no flat screens in those days. It was a, yeah. it was a tank. It was a VW bus sitting down there, um, not as big. And um, I'm thinking, man, John Boys from Walden's is going to be the guy in. I don't know about that. <laughs> Did you see that movie in the theater it? when it came out? Did you see it in the theater? No, I saw it on the TV. I didn't oh, see okay, it. Okay. I wish I would have. You yeah. saw that in the I remember seeing it in the theater, and it, and it was oh, funny. It's like you. You sensed, you know, something was different about it, you know, in terms of budgetary, you know, things. And, you know, you, you, but, you right. know, as a kid, I didn't really know what it was I was noticing. But it's just something was a little different than, let's say, a Star Wars movie, you know what I mean? But I still enjoyed right. it, you know, and it was fun, you know. Oh. Well, you know, one of the great things that I think that so many of those films after Star Wars, don't get me wrong, I, I had a, enough Star Wars merch, you know, like guys, the, the little action figures. I, I used to have baseball games, The Empire versus the Rebellion. I had that many oh, action that's figures. Awesome. But at the, at the same time, my father would, you know, because I don't know what he's thinking, but I would get all these knockoff toys, too, for Christmas, you know, where C-3PO <laughs> silver and has an alien head, but he comes in a cool <laughs> UFO, so I'm not bitching about it, you know. Um... <laughs> And I would just incorporate them, you know. I, I was, but uh, I thought about this this morning. We, um, our, our AC recently went out, the, the central AC, and it took them the weekend to uh, come out and fix it. And so we went and bought a, a window unit for our living room, put in the window so we wouldn't die um, from the heat and humidity. And mm-hmm. this morning it was this AC's fixed, and I had to take the window unit out of the window. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to put this back in the box, so. If we need it again, we have it, you know, put it in a closet. Right. Everything's fine. But, of course, when I was putting it back in, I couldn't fit all the uh, styrofoam pieces back around it like it came from the factory, like we got it. And um, mm-hmm. I got them all in except one. And it reminded me of when I was a kid. I used to take those – anytime I could get a piece of styrofoam, because they made great space bases for the uh, – the action uh, figures, you know, <laughs> That's turn it awesome. upside down, paint it, you know, and it was a giant, like, set. Yeah, I had a whole dig of yes. it. Yes. I made one. But, Dude, um, I, I, you, know, you know, when we were doing I'm this. I was watching this, and I'm, all the characters are so great. I'm like, well, there has, uh, Michael definitely needs, all of them, Sarah, everybody, Oliver, everybody needs an action figure, you know, because. Yeah. That's the movie. <laughs> Our costume designers, uh, our costume designer Joanna Heckman said, you know, she's hoping that people will cosplay as these characters one day. Oh, they absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. My my wife does yeah. that. Her and her sister, they go to these cons and they do that, and um, I can guarantee that uh, that will be done. You know, it. What uh, are some of her favorite characters? What does she usually do? Oh, they. You know, it's a bunch of stuff that I've never heard of. They they watch anime. I don't watch anime. I do. I was gonna say anime. <laughs> Anime, yeah, then? You know, <laughs> oh, man. I made the mistake one time of, of 
I was talking to her. Her sister is much more into it than she is. But I was talking to her sister, my sister-in-law. She's like, how come you don't watch anime? And I'm like, ah, I'm just not that into cartoons, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the wrong thing to say for <laughs> anime. Um, oh my God. I thought I was married to this woman for a second, you know? Now I got to get me a ration of shit. Um, you yeah, don't call them cartoons. <laughs> yeah, no. No. It's no. funny. Like, you know, I don't know. Hey, oh, man. God, oh, it's so funny because when we started this, uh, I was like, yeah, you get to 20, 25 minutes. And you're like, I can get as long as you need me. And I'm like, you know, I joke, oh, we'll do a super long. Can you believe it's been an hour and 10 minutes? I can't. It flew right by. I had no idea. <laughs> you. Hey, real quick. No, yes. you guys, uh, we mentioned this will be shown at the Sci-Fi um, Film Festival in Miami. It's also going to yes. be in Vegas, right? Yeah, we're, we, uh, so uh, here, I'll go over our schedule. Like, uh, we're opening um, this Friday, the 21st. We're going to be playing in Palm Springs. We're going to be playing in Beverly Hills. So, uh, nice. and it, we're also, and then on Saturday, we're having a special screening at the Frida. Um, nice. So, and there's going to be a Q&A on Friday in Beverly Hills, a Q&A on Saturday at the Frida in Santa Ana. And then next week, we come out in Las Vegas on the 28th, and we're going to be uh, playing for a week there and at the uh, Galaxy Theater at the Boulevard mm. Mall. It's a really nice theater. And then um, we're yeah, and then we're also showing on the 28th and 29th at a uh, drive-in in Pennsylvania. I believe it's called. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine seeing this film on a drive-in? Yeah, we're gonna be in the drive-in, uh, and and then uh, oh, cool. and then there's also yeah, Fallon, Nevada on May 5th and 6th, and the and on the 30th we have um, on April 30th we're at the. Uh, Sci-Fi International Film Festival in Miami. So that's going to, wow. yeah, we got that. And we might get a few more theaters. And then, and then if you, you know, if it's not playing anywhere near you, but I do highly recommend you see it on the big screen. It is, Absolutely. despite our budget, it's a big screen movie. I promise you. And, uh, and then on May 2nd, we'll be on VOD everywhere. And then on May 9th, uh, a DVD will be coming out. And you can buy it. And it's going to be in Walmart or you can order it on Amazon or Best Buy, however you like getting your movies. And we put some deleted scenes and uh, bloopers. And uh, uh, there's a nice commentary by myself, my wife, uh, Anit, and uh, Sarah and Joe, uh, and that are the writers. So we're on there and uh, trailer and all that. So there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff on there. Well, you know, those commentaries, I, I know several, yeah, you know, aspiring independent filmmakers. They want to be where you're at, Garo. You know, that's what they want. It's their dream. Um, and they told me, a couple of them told me they love the commentaries on the DVDs because it's like a class. It's like a film. Well, this is how we did this. And then we got this yeah. doing this, and, you know, and it really is, um, you know, so if you're out there and, and film, you want to make movies, watch these commentaries because you learn a lot. You know, these are the guys oh, that yeah. are doing them, the guys and gals. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing, amazing. I've listened to well, commentaries, you know, for a long time, and they've helped me too. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's a cool thing. We live in an amazing time. I know people bitch about technology, and yes, it, it has its negative stuff, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
I got to watch Space yep. Wars. Hey, and I will say this to anybody listening, and yeah, I want you, I want everybody to watch the film. Of course, I want because it's so good. Um, but if you have the option, where you can see it on a big, you can see it on the big screen, man, and don't watch it on your phone. You know, you don't have to. Do that. You can go to Costco and spend two hundred bucks and get a big TV, put on your wall. You know. Yeah, and yeah. a movie and a movie like this, yeah, you, you need to experience it. You don't want it to be, um, you know, you go to this to have that breezy, big summer movie feel, that just fun quality of escapism. You want to escape into the movie. You want to be inside the movie. You don't, you don't want to watch it on a phone. It's not, you know, it's not the kind of thing where you know you want to watch it from a cold objective distance. You want to be in it. You know, and that's the difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is a film, man. This is a cool movie. This is a feature film. It ain't a TikTok, you know. Come on, man. Put it up on the wall. <laughs> At the very least, is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, I would definitely check it out. I love this. I'm going to watch. This is one of those movies I'm going to watch again and again. This is fantastic. Um, oh, thank and you. And three cheers thank to you, Uncorked, Jamie. man. Three yeah. cheers to Uncorked. Whoa. They've been great. Another... Those guys are like the Babe Ruth of movie distrib- distributors. You know, they just <laughs> point up to the stand and here we go. Another hit. Yep. It's amazing. Oh, it's great. It's amazing. It's been great. Well, well Jamie, hey, I really, really now. appreciate it. Yeah, yeah man, this has been man, wonderful. It's been so much fun today. I can't. Let me ask you real super quick because I'm yeah. very busy. Um, no am I going to, I'm going to see more of uh, wheel turning for more Daryl movies? I mean, come on. Well, yeah, well, so I'll be straight with you. If if this thing is, goes over as much as, like, you know, we dream and hope, uh, our plan is to do more Space Wars adventures. We want to do more adventures with Kip, Taylor, and Jackie. We want the three of them to go on a few more adventures. And um, as I've told people before, you know, if we do sequels, it's not going to be like some epic saga that triumphs at the end of the third, you know, where all these things come back and tie in together. <laughs> this is not Lord of the Rings. This is individual adventures. So each time it'll be a whole new adventure with the characters you love, you know, going on something new, it, like Indiana Jones or Sinbad, you know, so that's what it would nice. be. Nice. I love it. Yep. I love it. A whole new adventure. Well, we already got a few cool. ideas. We're percolating. Michael loves it. Uh, Sarah's definitely in. Jack Anahit's definitely in. So we're we're hopefully full speed ahead with more space wars. Um, and I have an, another science fiction project I've been trying to do for a while. And you know, in some ways, this film was sort of the um, the dry run for that one in terms of can we pull right. out this kind of technology and stuff. And clearly, we can now. So it's definitely a very strong possibility. So we'll see what happens very next. Cool. Thank you, Garo, for making the film and taking time to be on the show, man. You are, you rock, you're cool, turned up to 10. Had so much fun today. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. You have a good one, all right? You too. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us today. We, um, this film, or this film, what am I saying? This podcast, this is going to be converted, this episode is going to be converted to a podcast. We're going to push it out on all the social media platforms. And on all the podcasts. We're on over 700 podcasting platforms. I don't know how that is. Um, I'm not complaining about it, but it it freaks me out, man. It freaks me out that there's 700 podcasting platforms. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. But we're on them all. 
and um, including the big ones, of course, Pandora, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and uh, so yeah, thanks for listening and whatnot. Check out our sponsors; they're awesome. And uh, if you uh, want to hear all of our podcasts uh, ad-free, you can go to my website and scroll down a little bit and join the VIP. That's our Patreon. And you get all the podcasts ad-free. Any, and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but, yeah, definitely check out Space Wars. I'm going to be reminding everybody uh, of this, uh, of course, on all my, uh, my blog and social media and all that. Um, when this gets uh, closer to the VOD, uh, release date because I want to talk to you guys about it because it's been it's so hard to do these shows without giving so many spoilers um, and I don't want to do that so I don't want to ruin the movie it, it's it's so good uh, but but yeah we'll talk about it after how about that um, anyway we will see you next time have a good one everybody thanks for listening and remember it's, it's still a weird world don't wind up in a caring video on YouTube just be cool be cool and be nice and people might how about that we'll see you next time have a good one everybody bye this has been pop art painter jamie rocks's pop rocks radio talk show it has been executive produced by jamie rocks recorded at his studio in deerfield beach in south florida all rights reserved by pop rocks limited for broadcast on blog talk radio tana oli pop rocks radio Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, de Harry Hicks from Sverige. Och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.